Thank you, guys. As we begin our, the sermon this evening, I would like to, um, we have one extra scripture reading, and so I would, I've asked some friends to come up and read for me, so um, if that's you, please uh, make your way up. Some of them are already here, but some of the others, please. Um. The next scripture reading we will have is the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Perfect. And the next scripture we will have is from Acts chapter 2, the, the, the Holy Spirit coming at Pentecost. So um, you may only understand bits and pieces, but please follow along with us the, the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Då kom plötsligt från himmelen ett dån, så som en våldsam storm hade dragit fram, och det uppfyllde hela huset där det suttu. So wurden sie alle mit dem Heiligen Geist erfüllt und fingen an, in fremden Sprachen zu reden, jeder so, wie der Geist es ihm eingab. A przybywali w Jerozolimie Żydzi, mężowie nabożni, spośród wszystkich ludów, jakie są pod niebem. Toen het geluid weer klonk, drumde ze samen. En ze raakten geheel in verwarring, omdat ieder de apostelen en de andere leerlingen in zijn eigen taal hoorde spreken. There's a lot of things I love about this com- church community, but that is absolutely one of them. Um, that took about five minutes of planning to find people who spoke different languages. And in any church I've served at before, that would have taken five months in bringing in outsiders. You know, Pentecost is such a special day, and I'm so happy you're here to worship with us tonight. Because the presence of God is something that is so vital to the Christian life, but sometimes is so often misunderstood. You know, it's nothing new, actually. People have sort of been, not necessarily always confused, but people have had sort of questions about the Holy Spirit for as long as it's been around. If you read through the book of Acts, uh, as we just, I believe we mentioned just a week or two ago, how when the Holy Spirit came upon Gentiles for the first time, the Jews were amazed and they said, how is this possible? You know, and I want to frame tonight's conversation and what we're going to learn in this way. You know, talking about the presence of God. What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we think about gifts and prophecies? And so, our passage we're going to be reading is from uh, 2 Peter, uh, chapter 1. And we're going to be reading verses 12 to 21. This time all in English. Much uh, to my joy. And um, I would invite you to follow along with me, or please, you can turn there in your Bible if you want. Um, I'm sorry, if I said 1 Peter, I meant 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 12 to 21. Peter writes this, So I will always remind you of these things, talking about the calling of the apostles and those who have become Christians. 
He says, I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. I think it is right to refresh your memory as long as I live in the tent of this body, because I know that I will soon put it aside as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will make every effort to see that after my departure, you will always be able to remember these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven, and when we were with him on the sacred mountain, And we have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you will do well to pay attention to it, as to a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture can come about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of a man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit." You know, this passage is a wonderful passage because it talks about the fruition of all of these prophecies, all of these things, and it immediately refutes one of the biggest criticisms we have today. Why are we worshiping from a book written by men? And this was already an issue. This was already an issue in the first century. People were wondering, why in the world do we listen to these stories by men? And Peter says, no, we were there. And, and these prophecies, all of these things are not from the will of a man, but carried along from the will of God by the Spirit. And so he starts in this letter, and he starts saying, hey, let us be reminded of the thing that firmly established our truth, in verse 12. He says, I always want to remind you of these things. I always want to remind you of the calling you received. You know, I always say it this way. Many of you have heard me say this before. Do you remember the time when you felt like Jesus loved you best? Maybe it was the day you became a Christian. Maybe it was a time when you felt the presence of God. But the time when you felt, man, I don't care what anyone says. I don't care what anyone tries to convince me of otherwise. I know Jesus loves me and I know he is real. That time you felt the Holy Spirit as an unmistakable thing in your life that was leading you and guiding you to a calling. And maybe you felt it. Maybe you're not quite sure. That's okay. But know that this is what God desires of us. Some of us can mention one time like that. Some of us can mention multiple times like that in our life where, where maybe, you know, we were in nature. Maybe we were with friends praying. Maybe, for me, I remember the first time it happened when I was 13 years old at summer camp in Hume Lake, California. And I've been to the little chapel where it happened since then. And I remember the exact spot. I remember the theme of the camp weekend was an Egyptian theme. And on the front of the stage, they had all these things looked like Egyptian ruins and mummies. And there was little 13-year-old Sam feeling the Holy Spirit saying, come to me. We all have these times in our life. And Peter is saying, remember those things. Remember those things because this is important for the life of the Christian. Verse 15, he says, make every effort. To see that, after my departure, you will remember these things. Hang on to those things. 
And in verse 16, he basically says, listen, the reason you should hang on to these things is because they are from the Spirit of God. And I know this. I know this because I saw it. See, Peter isn't talking about something he heard from someone else. Peter isn't talking about something he thinks might have been a true story from someone else. Peter is talking about the transfiguration of Jesus where he sat there and saw it. Verse 17, he says, He received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice came from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. He says in verse 18, We ourselves heard this voice. We were with him on that mountain. You know, if you want to read this story later, it's in Mark chapter 9. You can go back and read it later, but Jesus goes up onto the mountain and it says that he is in the presence of, excuse me, of Elijah and Moses and that the voice of God comes down and it it was so amazing that it actually made Jesus sort of turn basically bright white and they didn't know what to do with themselves. Peter says, believe and cherish these things because I'm telling you, I saw it. I was there. You know, I don't know if you've ever heard a story that was hard to believe before. I don't know if you've ever heard a story that was hard to believe before. But if you talk to someone who really believes in something, it's really hard. When you're looking them in the eye and you're having a conversation, it's really hard to to say to someone, no, you're wrong. And so Peter's telling these people reading this letter, hey, believe in these things of Christ because I saw it. I know who Christ was. And then in verse 19, he says, listen, you don't just have my word for it. You don't just have the stories of some of these apostles. No, he says, we have the word of the prophets. To make this even more certain that Jesus came and fulfilled all these words of the prophets written down well before I came around. And you would do well to pay attention to it. Think of the prophecies we just read, like Joel. The prophecies of Joel, hundreds of years before Christ came, and and God gives this vision to the prophet and says, dark days are coming. Dark days are coming and it's going to be difficult, but afterwards I will do something for you. I will give you something amazing and powerful, and your young men and women will be speaking prophecies, and there will be visions, and the presence of God will be there. And he says, this presence of God is so powerful. He says, you do well to pay attention to it, like a light shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, to be honest with you, even though I I read the Bible a a good amount, and I'm a pastor and I'm supposed to know all of these things, before I reread this passage this week and really studied it, I had completely forgotten about verse 19, and I have just been falling in love with it. Till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, I am, I grew up uh, in, in California, I've told you all this, but since leaving home to go to college, I've been very, very fortunate that God, like many of you, has sort of taken me around the world doing different things. And there was a while in my life, and my parents still live there, where I was fortunate enough to live in Maui, Hawaii. And I've seen some sunrises in beautiful places around the world, but on the top of the island of Maui may be the most beautiful place I've ever seen a sunrise. 
uh, on the top of the volcano called Haleakala, it's not the one that's exploding. That's on the next island really far away. It's totally safe. On the top of the island of Maui is a crater that stands over 3,000 meters above sea level. And, and the amazing thing about the sunrise there is it's completely surrounded by ocean. If you look at Hawaii on a map and remind yourself, I mean, it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. You know, the next major airport is about four and a half hours away in any direction. And, and so when you're there, and if you ever have a chance to go, wake up early, drive up to the top of the mountain for the sunrise, because it is absolutely amazing. I, I have some pictures here I want to show you. Um, it, it's kind of hard to see, um, but if you look, you see this is just as it's starting. And you can't really make anything out. But the light just starts to rise, and the dawn just starts to come and starts to give colors. Oh yeah, Patrick, that'd be great, thanks. And you can see the light beginning to just sort of peek out over the clouds and, and, and bring colors to the world. And then the next one, if you go to the next one, Mike, it starts getting a little better, see? So now you can see sort of the clouds, and you can see the texture in front of you. You know, and you can begin to see it, and then all of a sudden, as, as if an instant happens, the sun comes up, and it just lightens up the whole landscape. And, and what happens is, is all of a sudden, it's like it happens instantaneously, it's daytime. And, and look at this picture and think about this verse. We have the word of the prophets made more certain, and you would do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. You know, what's amazing about the sunrise, no matter where you are, is it goes from being dark and cold to all of a sudden feeling the sun on your face and the warmth and seeing the beauty around you. That's good, Patrick. Thank you very much. Peter says, this is what happens in our hearts when the Holy Spirit and the Word of God comes in. This is what happens in, in, in our lives. It's, it's as if we've been living in darkness and this light comes down like the dawn. And we feel warmth and we see beauty around us. We see life and possibilities. And he says in verse 20 that because it comes from the Spirit of God, because this light comes from God and this scripture comes from prophets, we can trust it. That it comes from the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit does, this is how it works in our lives. We saw it in Joel. We, we, we talk about it at Christmas all the time, all the prophecies of Isaiah that came true, and we think, gosh, how did God know? God shows us the wonders of heaven and earth and what he desires of us. What a mighty gift this, this Holy Spirit Pentecost is. You know, and so what we celebrate today is what we read in eight different languages, this idea of God giving his presence the story of the disciples beginning to speak in all different languages. People from as far as modern-day Iraq and northern Africa and Rome were walking through Jerusalem. And like, how do these fishermen from Galilee know my language? How are they speaking Arabic? <laughs> you know, how, how does this work? And hearing that, I absolutely love because it gives us a glimpse into the power of the presence of God. Anyone who's ever tried to learn a new language knows how difficult it is. 
You know, German is so much fun to learn. And yet the Holy Spirit, for the sake of God, and for the sake of God speaking to these people from around the world whom he loved, instantaneously gave people the gift to be able to share his love and truth. What must the disciples have felt like? And one of the things we learn, one of the things I love about God and that that I've seen in my life is that he will not stop. That God will not stop giving his spirit and preaching his word, preaching these prophecies and giving us the truth of his scripture. And, And this message, as Peter is talking about, is reliable. You know, yesterday, I confess... Um, you may not want to raise your hand to this, but uh, did anyone else watch the royal wedding yesterday? Anyone? I confess I went kicking and screaming a little bit. Um, I, I, I was sort of not so excited. I mean, I am very excited that an American infiltrated the royal family as a spy. Uh, we're very excited for the information she's going to bring back. But, you know, I wasn't really into it at first. Um, I joke about it, you know, but something happened. You know, first of all, it's a wedding, so everyone loves a wedding, and it's a beautiful wedding, and so you start getting into it, and I, I, I confess, I was like, man, there's all these American celebrities there, what's happening? And then, if you watched it, you saw the Episcopal priest from Chicago get up and start teaching. And this guy, it was so wonderful. If you haven't seen it, you should watch it, just for how uncomfortable he made all these uptight British people feel. Um, but but this guy gets up and basically just gives a sermon. I mean, it's just loosely related to the married couple. At one point, he said something like, we have to get y'all married. But it was so funny. But what was amazing about it was this. Here we have this sort of social pageantry type event, right? Live broadcast on YouTube around the world. Most of the UK watching it. They estimated that over 30 million people in the United States watched it. Who knows how many people around the world were watching it. And and God saw fit to put a a man in a place to be able to preach to the world via YouTube and TV and whatever else about the love of God. I mean, God basically said, hey, let me show you how great I am. Let me show you how powerful I am. I'm going to take this thing that you all think is so wonderful, and I'm just going to insert my prophecy, my, my words into the midst of this. I mean, this guy was preaching on the Song of Solomon and talking about how love is like fire that cannot be quenched. And the world was hearing the word of God. It was so beautiful. I mean, I actually was sitting there staring at a computer screen, drinking a cup of coffee, saying verbally out loud, yes, preach, brother. I want to hear this more. I mean, look at these verses. I put these up after the pictures. I put these verses up. Um, Yeah, there you go. Psalm 83, oh God, do not remain silent. Psalm 109, my God whom I praise, do not remain silent. Isaiah 62, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. God will not keep silent. God has not been silent. God will not be silent. And he will use all means necessary. He will use a social event, a royal wedding, to make his name famous. God's prophecies are trustworthy and true. And at Pentecost... God made that very clear. 
And through you, having the Spirit living inside of you, God is making that clear through the gifts given to you. Through the fruit of the Spirit, through the talents you possess, through the passions you have in your heart, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is leading you, is using you in the same way. And so the question I want to ask us is, do we feel the presence of God daily? Do we invite the presence of God daily? Do we seek it out and make it part of our daily life? You know, human beings, I really believe, are made for this. I was talking to a friend of mine this week about the presence of God and the Holy Spirit. And the more I think about it and the more I try to practice the presence of God, the more it seems to me that we are kind of like these giant satellite dishes for the presence of God. That God has designed us to to carry it and to hear it and to retain it. Kind of like wearing a big metal hat in a lightning storm. You know, God has made us in a way where the Holy Spirit is, is in us and is drawn to us that we would give it to the world. And what's amazing about this is that the non-Christian world is really into this idea too. The non-Christian world is really into spiritual experiences. Is really into what we call mysticism in the Christian faith. Right? They want to have a spiritual, out-of-body experience. You know, in fact, doctors have even done tests with psychotropic drugs like LSD and all of these mind-altering drugs. Because people, when they're on these drugs, have actually said that they've had these godly experiences. And they want to know what that is in the chemistry of the brain. Spirituality is so ingrained in us that even when people are taking mind-altering substances, they're saying they're feeling God. People want these spiritual things and they go to these other ways and they go to these other sources. And this is why even in pagan religions, you hear it's big in Native American culture in the United States, they would take hallucination, these drugs that make you hallucinate and kind of go off into the wilderness and have an out-of-body experience. People think that we need to to go out and, and, and add something into our life, but what God is saying is no. I've wired you this way. I've given you the Holy Spirit. You have everything inside of you you need to be in contact with the living God. We don't need drugs. We don't need mind-altering substances. We don't need anything else but the Holy Spirit. Peter says, this is trustworthy. I was there and I saw it. God is offering this gift to us. God has promised us this gift to bring us truth, to bring us comfort, to give us a counselor, to give us power, to see amazing things. And this is what Peter writes. He says, don't forget. He says, don't forget that calling you've received. Don't forget that time you felt it. Don't forget that time Jesus said, I love you. You remember when Jesus was a boy and he went to visit the temple in Luke chapter 2? They lost him, right? And they go back to they go back to the temple, and they go back to Jerusalem. And they're looking for him, and they find him in the temple, and he's hanging out with the scribes and the teachers of the law, and he's he's conversing with them. In Luke chapter two, verse nineteen, says this wonderful little thing that after all of these events occurred, it says that Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary remembered it, saw it, saw something in her son that was amazing, and she cherished it in her heart knew something from the Lord was happening there. 
This is what Peter's talking about when he says, remember the calling you received. Think of the times God has been real, God has been there. Think of the time you felt the presence of God and cherish it inside your heart. And sadly, we as human beings have taken this gift, have taken this thing of the Holy Spirit meant to unify and meant to empower and embolden, and we've even used it to our fault to become divisive. You know, I've once, I've had someone say to me that I'm not a Christian because I don't speak in tongues regularly. I've had people say that if I'm not wrapped up in emotional, you know, charismatic Holy Spirit experiences that, that I can't trust that God is even in my life. You know, I I once was involved in a church where some people used the Holy Spirit as a divisive issue like this and said, you have to do this and this and this, otherwise you don't have it. How silly is that? How silly is it to take this gift and use it for something divisive and use it for something to say, well, my experience has to be your experience. No, Peter says, cherish the calling you've received. Cherish the thing that God has done for you. We know if all of us stood up and took turns and talked about the time Jesus saved us, every single one of you would have a different story. Do not worry about what other people have. Do not worry about how other people experience the presence of God. How do you experience the presence of God? And my prayer for us is that we would invite the Holy Spirit into our lives daily. We would trust that the promises of Scripture would come to fruition in our lives, even though they may be a bit mysterious and a bit mystical. Sometimes it's more emotional. Sometimes it's just normal, everyday life. But allow God to show you your gifts and your talents that he's given you. Embrace the times you feel God's presence and cherish them. Hold them in your heart. Engage in what the Spirit is doing around you. Because God will not be silent. God will not be silent. I was reminded of that yesterday, watching, like I said, a wedding on YouTube, hearing a man I've never met preach the love of God to millions around the world, and God just reminded me, hey, Sam, you could blow it. You could trip and fall. You could be the worst pastor ever. I'm not going to remain silent. I will find people. I will find servants. I will include those who are faithful in my work if they allow the Spirit to come in, if they allow the Spirit to move in them. Pentecost reminds us that God is alive, that God is active, that God is moving in this world. And my prayer for us is that we would never forget what God has done, what God is doing, and what God will do through us. Let's pray. Lord God, we trust that your presence is here now. Lord, we know that years and years ago when the Spirit came upon the disciples, Lord, that that was a sign of the things to come, that that was a sign of the glory and the power you were going to display to this world. Lord, we pray that you would use us. We pray that as we bow at your feet, giving you our very lives, God, that you would reveal to us gifts and passions we didn't know we had, abilities we didn't know we had, Lord, that would make your name more famous that we would trust the prophecies of the Old Testament, Lord, that we would trust the work of the Holy Spirit here and now and tomorrow, knowing that it is good. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your words. Thank you for your actions. And thank you for those who have gone before us, who testified to the truth 
of your word and your spirit. May we be that voice to the generation to come so that they would be empowered as we have. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen. At this time, I would like to invite our uh, musicians back up um, to lead us in a few songs that, uh, that would close out our time of worship.